Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Egberto is your host. Thank you so kind of being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Anyway, folks, how are my peeps doing? I trust that you all had a, <coughs> a wonderful weekend because you know what? Uh, weekends are a time to redo, remake, remake. Norman Reynolds says, I made it. I made it. It's great to see you, Norman. It's been a while since I've seen you on our stream. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. It seems like Norman E2247 is in the house. Melanie Keelan is in the house from Barcelona, Spain. Eric Hayes is in the house. Egberto, how is the foundation? I had Ocean out today, and it seems like I will be going with OSHA, that's what my plans are. I have something to send over to Dr. Professor Executive Engineer, Senor Reynolds. But anyhow, folks, uh, let's see. We also have in the house the one and only AVQ, uh, El Senor Rodnin, and of course, our beautiful Yvette Avery Herod, who says, good afternoon, PDR Passi. Welcome all, welcome all, welcome all. Anyway, folks, we're going to have a great show for you today. I'm going to start the program off. I was on the radio show this morning, uh, the radio show that comes on at 8 o'clock at KPFT. I was actually in the uh, place with uh, uh, Steve Hunter. Steve Hunter is a good friend of mine, and he decided he wanted to he wanted me to go on board and say, hey, check, check. I you know, wanted to talk about capitalism strikes and Elon Musk, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we had a great discussion. Anyway, it's it's a kind of extensive little thing that I went ahead and cut it up for us to have a listen to today. I think it's well worth your ride. I just got through processing it. So it is red hot. And I hope I made no mistakes as I processed the video. But here we go. And then we'll take it on the other side. But oh, you have been watching, of course, the strikes. And one of them appears to have been settled this morning. That's the strike between the Writers Union and a lot of other people that are out on strike allied with them and the powers in Hollywood. They appear to have settled it. It's not yet tight, but it's enough that some people are going back to work immediately on the basis of it. And, of course, the in Canada, Ford and the UAW have just inked an agreement. Yes, kind of a surprise. That one came a little bit early. And, of course, in the U.S., uh, the UAW, the United Auto Workers, is taking it kind of easy on Ford because they say that Ford's giving them some of the major concessions, including a cost of living adjustment, which is a big deal to that union right now. While uh, GM and what used to be Chrysler are still holding out. Now, as you look at all this structure, my friend, what do you see? Do you see some progress or do you see signs of just the old system going on? What do you see? I, what, how, does, how is all this occurring to you, my friend? I see a lot of progress. I am starting to see that the unions are, again, uh, asserting their worth, which I think is very, very important, and they do so. Uh, sadly, uh, I don't think enough Americans are fighting to be a part of the union, which I think every single American worker should be a union worker, bar none. Every single American worker should be a union worker. Corporations, they have their unions. They don't call them unions. They call them uh, uh, organizations or uh, the Chamber of Commerce. or They have Chamber all kinds of... Commerce, of, right. Or, 
or, or right. Congress. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love that, Steve, or Congress. So, so what workers need to do is come as a block. And I tell you, I'm still waiting for us to execute a national strike. I mean, a complete national strike, except for doctors and police officers, etc., to remind uh, all employers that employees are stakeholders. And just like I can know whatever I know, but I can't fix my car. Uh, therefore, uh, we need to learn what about what equity is. Nobody's job is super, super, should supersede somebody else's. Now, we're going to get to the questions of inflation in a half a second. But once again, let's get back to that phone number, 713-526-5738. And uh, when you hear that first little hello uh, recording, then you hit a two, and that'll put you through the studios. And Jack or Rico, one or the other, will grab you and put you on the air. And we are not uh, apparently – well, we'll figure this out in a minute. We're still having some sound problems. That's okay. So 713-526-5738. Now, this is an important conversation this morning. It's one we don't have very often, which is the whole question about the economy, whether this is a giant – whether the economy is, after all, a giant conspiracy of corporations to steal your money. Or whether it's just kind of the way capitalism works when it's a somewhat enlightened capitalism system oh. that needs maybe a lot more enlightenment. That is by way of wow. a radical, radical moderate, I would certainly go with that second part. Still needs a lot more enlightenment. Okay, uh, Egberto, I have a funny feeling you've got some things to say about that. Uh, yeah, you buddy. nailed it. But actually, Steve, you nailed it. The, uh, our economic system is, in fact, uh, a capitalist system. You're absolutely right. And in a capitalist system, it says that the only people of worth are those who have capital and everybody else are, uh, are, are work by some sort of a contract with the capital system. I mean, it's only a step above what slavery used to be. And what I call it now is antiseptic slavery. And what I mean is the following. Uh, you go out there and you work for a company and you bring in a lot of income for that company. But you have a contract that says, whether it's implied or physical, you have a contract that says this is how much you make. That company does superbly well. And all the spoils go to the stockholders. All the spoils go to the employ, uh, to the employer. All the, the execs get their bonuses. The employees get yet nothing. Some may, a few of the exec level may get a few bonuses, etc. But under our mm -hmm. current capitalist system. The employees are no more than uh, high level slaves. I mean, I don't I know people don't like to hear that, but it's what we are. And the example and the uh, what proves this point is that over the last 40 years, when we have in removed the controls on uh, on the negativity of capitalism, the, the income inequality and the wealth disparity has shifted to just a few. I mean, there's nothing like having evidence out there, proof that that is what a system brings. And until we get over that glory, glory, hallelujah, and somehow trying to equate capitalism with freedom and capitalism with uh, with democracy, we have failed. If we don't get that to the people, we fail them because there is no way that we can say 
the people who own capital determine where you're going to work or what you're going to do. And then so, and, and management decides what to do and somehow call that freedom. It is not. And now I'm going to stop you. Really stop you for a second. Yes, sir. I, I, I wanted to let you go, but there was going to be a break somewhere. You're as bad as I am. If we wait for a break, it's going to be a long <laughs> wait. Hey, buddy, that's all right, my friend. You're a talk show host, and that's what you're supposed to be doing. Look, my friend, here's, some people would say that as you look back at the people, the people who basically created the theoretical underpinnings for the capitalist system. Mm -hmm. They did not say that the only people that count are the people who have the capital. What they said is that the assignment of resources is much more efficient using this system they call capitalism. Mm -hmm. And all of those people, all of those core people, and almost all the ones since, with the exception of some people that uh, were big, that, that preceded Mr. Reagan. Now, it goes back a lot further than that, obviously, mm -hmm. in the 20s and long before that. But the bottom line is, but none of those people said that labor doesn't count or is not an equal player in this kind of game. The question is that people, they were, they were counting on people's self-interest including the risk, enormous risk that they were taking, because as I think you know, close to 90% of all new businesses fail. And, and it includes big ones. To go for a, a, a fair length of time, the ones that look like they're making a lot of money, many of them don't even exist a decade later. It is how it is. But all those things, including risk, that's going to be handled by the capitalist system. Assuming, and that was the thing that began to be an assumption later on, that there are some constraints on that. You and I, I think, me as a radical moderate, and mm -hmm. you as, how would you describe yourself? How would you describe I, yourself? I, I'm that, a left-wing liberal who believes in looking at evidence. Okay, that's a pretty reasonable status. And in general, you have to look at the, what's, what results have been. And unless you are... Uh, I have a father-in-law who's an extremely wealthy man. He does that by turning companies around. He was in President Reagan's cabinet. He did a lot of things, and he's accomplished some extraordinary things. He's helped build the U.S. space industry. He's done a lot of a lot of astounding things that involved stupendous risks. And some of them, it came out of his pocket. In fairness, he's accomplished a lot in terms of generating jobs over the years. But there's no question that he's sitting in a pretty comfortable house out on Long Island right now. You can guess where. And and that's because he's earned the money that as he's in retirement, he doesn't have to worry about whether Social Security is going to cover it or not. But if you look at the jobs he created and the companies that he saved, a lot of those people would say, that guy, uh, you know, he, he had some sort of magic and somehow he managed to put things together when everybody else was shaking their hands and saying, it's all done, it's over, and it's all lost, and I'm not going to have a job. But somehow he managed to put it together. How do we reward people like that? for taking risks unless we allow them to have some say in the game that comes back. Who was this or guy again? Or where does that money that's going to be? As in this case, it's my father-in-law. Okay, let me talk about your father-in-law. I'm not going to use, I'm not gonna use no, his name. Yep, that's fine, ahead. but I want to personalize this because I think it's so, I think when we sure. talk about things in the abstract, what happens is people don't see the big picture. Now I'm talking to your father-in-law, somebody that I cannot call an evil, selfish person, the way we will talk about. No, by the way, let me Captain. add something. He lives, he, yeah. lives fairly, he lives fairly modestly. He doesn't have a gigantic mansion. No, 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 I, I get house. it. He does have a house in Colorado, one I, in Florida. I get it. He's a pretty it. nice one out on, out on Long Island. Go ahead. I get it. I am happy yep. that your father-in-law was able to do what he did and create a lot of jobs. Absent your yep. father-in-law, another person's father-in-law would have come about. 
and done the same things he did and then used the services and knowledge Maybe and equity. Not. No, but let, let me finish. Let me, let me finish what I mean. What I mean go is ahead, the following. Yeah, what I mean is that nobody is an island. I remember when I was growing up and I could do things. I could do magical things. And I thought, I am so darn good, right? And then I came to the United States and I went to the University of Texas and realized there were 50,000 other good people out there. In other words, 50,000 other people that could do what I did. And it was like, oh, my God, I guess I'm not all that special after all. And what I what I say to that is whenever we look at Bill Gates and, and Jeff Bezos and all these guys as special, what we forget is by them existing, they have prevented the other one of them to have existed. In other words, in the way the way things occur in society. Uh, there was going to be a need for the space thing. And if, there, if the things, if the values exist within the society that can create that, somebody would have stepped out to do it. And then all the workers whose brains your father-in-law used, because your father-in-law had an idea and a structure, and then he used the brain power. He used the intellect of hundreds and thousands of other people. And when I say hundreds of thousands of people, that's what I mean, because for him to have done what he has done, he was dependent on the composite knowledge of people throughout the centuries of people paying taxes to create that knowledge. He is a great aggregator, right? And uh, uh, a lot of capitalists are great aggregators of things, right? Now, having aggregated other people's knowledge, does that mean they should have billions? I will argue no, because that billions is steal, is piecewise stealing of the aggregation of others. So I am saying, I don't say that they should make good money. I think they should because you're correct that it is an incentive to get things done. But what we have mm -hmm. now is completely obscene. I also agree that there are many issues politically and otherwise where I don't agree with my father-in-law. However, mm -hmm. I also understand something. How a rope is made is an important part more than just the strands. If we try to use a large rope to keep a ship close to the dock and it's just made up of a lot of strands, it's not going to work real well. Right. An awful lot of knowledge and craft goes into making that thing. Agreed. I will guarantee you from my own experience that what people do and what people see oftentimes is not simply an aggregate of the knowledge that was passed along to them by other people, unless you want to include their education, what they chose to remember and how they creatively interpreted it. That's exactly what I wanted to What you're to doing serve. right now on this show. The, you're using English, which is obviously not something that was created by you. And it's been passed along to you. However, I right. think we would both agree that you use it creatively. And I think you and I, one of our goals is to try to have our sentences in some cases be something no one's ever said exactly that, but, that uh, way. Steve, before. let's go further. Let me butter you up a go little ahead, bit, okay? Let me butter you up a little bit, okay? I am. Don't need I to, am, but go ahead. Buddy. No, but, but yep. what I'm saying, this is important. I am an engineer writer books, all that kind of stuff, right? I This is yep. my, I, I got into radio after becoming an activist and doing certain things, right? I listened to yep. Rourke. I've listened to his tonality to help me with delivery. I listened to you because you are one of the ultimate guys who know how to use a mic and get listened to on a mic. Uh, and and I got, I am getting good at what I do, not because of Egberto, but because of the composite the aggregation of what I've gotten from a lot of other people. So what I'm saying is, but you're choosing, you're choosing I, all those, under, you're choosing exactly. all those influences, my friend. But ahead, I, I may be choosing all those influences, but absent those influences, I would not have chosen. So what I'm saying is, I 
look, I'm not saying that Bill Gates does not deserve millions of dollars. He does deserve millions of dollars. He does not deserve billions of dollars because that is the that is uh, skimmed off of the millions of people that worked for him. Okay, I am. Now, saying, Edward, let me let me answer for a second. I'm going to stop you for a second. Now, there, yes. there are places where you and I would probably agree on things, but in general, in the more broad strokes of it, might not. So let's stop right. for a second. Yes. If we look back at the economy of the United States, or for that matter, of the United Kingdom and for a lot of other areas, mm-hmm. we see in many cases some years ago, because of taxation, because of a lot of other influences, that there was a limitation for how many times the multiple was between an average worker and the average CEO that ran that company. For that matter, in yes. some cases, the people who owned the companies, we're including yes. those being the stockholders who either individually or as a mass, say as a, an investment trust in charge of uh, an insurance company or in charge of a retirement fund or a lot of those things. All those people are still made up of people. And of course, they have to have money to make that whole system work. But let's stop for a second. What I'm getting mm-hmm. at is, has the multiple gotten incredibly out of control? There are a lot of people who would say, yes, there are a lot of people who would be listening to me right now who would say, no, 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 no. This gives it free reign. Well, that's what politics is all about. And I have a funny feeling there's about to be a swing that's going to put some correction back into this. But the question again becomes, is now when you and I start talking about somebody who takes an enormous amount of risk and whose knowledge and whose sense of how to weave those bits of fiber that we call a rope. And in this mm-hmm. case, the, the, the net that we all live in. Mm-hmm. And it is not a simple thing, as we both know, whether it's capitalism or whether it's some sort of a planned mm-hmm. economy, of which, of which, by the way, modern capitalism is a mix. But the right. point is, if you have all of those things working together, then there are profound decisions that, re, that are a, a, a great work of originality, whether we realize mm-hmm. that or not. The soft landing that we just had as we came out of inflation and the, the best classical way to solve the problem was, of course, working with interest rates and other things. But that soft landing we have, which now may be somewhat disturbed by uh, a big period of labor activism, the point mm-hmm. is all that took individuals making, in some cases, rather inspired decisions that included risks of their jobs and risks politically of the people who put them in those positions and other things. But it was not something, frankly, that had ever really happened before. A lot of people don't look at what just happened and realize you are living through a rather historic economic event. And it has a sense that the theory and the computers and the things that back it up and the things that make it possible, all those things have had some breakthroughs. And maybe also, I I think you underestimate the degree which capitalists in many cases have enormous compassion for the people who work for them. Now, is that always the case? Of course it's not. When we start looking at large organizations, you could choose some of whom you think it isn't. I'm not so sure I would check I would I would choose Jeff Bezos as one of the examples of capitalism gone amok because although he's making a chunk of money the creation of Amazon was a fascinating and continuing saga the as you know there's a brand new book out right now about Elon Musk mm-hmm. and it looks at him in Great depth. Same guy, by the way, who did the the biography, of course, for for Mr. Jobs, the, the man who created uh, Apple. The interesting point of all this is that. It, the book ultimately refers to him in an interesting way as a man-child, and it's not meant to be some sort of an insult or anything that makes him smaller. What they're basically saying is there are things about Elon Musk that we might not agree with, but those are some of the traits that make him extremely creative in what he does. He breaks things and then makes them work together. Let's go back. Uh, do me a favor real quickly. Rico, pick, grab your mic for a second, buddy. You're taking all these calls. To them. Who should we? Who should we be going to right now? Okay, you said something about Kevin for a minute. What was what was uh, Kevin's? 
So question for Egberto. Kevin had to go to work. Okay, so got he it. He couldn't stay on. And all I got from him was he had a question for Egberto on his stance on the self-employed. I, I love I love the idea that the, the caller mentioned uh, the sole proprietor. Sole proprietor is what I call true and real uh, 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 uh and free enterprise. I believe in free enterprise. I don't believe in capitalism. I don't believe capitalism is the efficient allocation of resources. If you doubt it, look at our medical system, our medical sphere. It is a bastion of capitalism and it definitely doesn't work as well as it does in Canada, France, Taiwan, and these other places. Okay, but I'm going to but, stop you super a second. I don't think it is a bastion of capitalism. I think it's actually a bastion of what we might call a corrupted capitalism, where a lot of influences come in to say, okay, we've got to protect the interest holders, and this is the way it's working, and we're going to keep it that way because it benefits those interest holders. I'm not sure, by the way, in the case of Milton Friedman, so it may not, it may not Milton, be a deal with the devil that doesn't pay off. Cause let me just some, say, we get some rather extraordinary drugs. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, let me just say that Milton Friedman, the, the, the sure. latest god of capitalism, uh, says that exactly how the medical system is running is what capitalism is supposed to do. Do whatever is necessary to maximize the value and profits of the shareholders. Be damned the environment. Be damned the employee. The, the, the executives have no responsibility Therefore, other than to not an awful lot of people who would say Milton Friedman is a is a god of capitalism. But keep going. Well, keep going. you know, Chile, all of that, they would. But and the, the Chicago boys. But anyway, let's let's just say the other the other quick. So I love that the, that the caller asked about the sole proprietor. The sole proprietor is the bastion of free enterprise because he is the one that really works the stuff. A capitalism says. Uh, that we create jobs by abstraction. What I mean by that is you have somebody who creates a company. Eventually, that company is capitalized. That capitalization is in the form of shares. The shares go to people who do no work. It's called passive income for them. And and based on what they want to see in the increase. Wait, wait, wait. Value, why are they shareholders? Why, Egberto, they, why are they shareholders? Because if they, they did nothing, to, why are they shareholders? Because they want to make some why? money off of somebody else's no, labor. No, 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 no. Where did the money where did the money that they're that they're investing to become shareholders? Where did that come from? Did it come from the sky? No, they, did they go they, out and did they rob a liquor people, store for it? How, people, where did it come from? Let me tell you, some people earned it, some people inherited it. Most people now inherited mm -hmm. the money that's invested in the stock market. So most of the value oh, in the okay. stock market is from people who have inherited money or of, of the wealthy class. So I mean, that's what I'm saying. Right when I talk about it being a slave relationship, that I know you don't like the word slave, but if you take a look at who owns the capital market, no, I can real, accept it. I can accept that as a as a part of the discussion of the politics. But let me ask you a question: Do you have yeah. any statistics that show? Because I certainly question that on my basis of my own knowledge of economics, mm -hmm. that you would say that most of the money that's in the stock market right now comes from people who inherited the money. Yes, you can. That is I can so tell you radically where, wrong. I can, tell you, I can tell you where Doesn't you can go to get it. Uh, who, yep, you can go to a, a website called Who Owns America or something like that. I, I don't, I, I'll, I'll, I'll right. send the website, but there's a website that shows who, who owns what amount of capital in the country, right? And as it turns mm -hmm. out, most, you know, they would like to say, oh, retirement funds own a lot of capital, etc. It turns out that that is not the case. We have yet to understand the wealth of the very few in this country. And when we start to understand how much pilfering actually occurs, people start to get a different opinion. It's like, oh my God, like, let's just look at West Texas and who owns all the land in West Texas, a few families, hundreds of thousands of acres of land. How the hell did they get that? You know, 
Uh, so I mean, well, there's no are, question they inherited that. Although many many cases that goes back to the 17th or 18th right. or 19th century. Let's put it that way. Okay, and, gotcha. And that's the history of world capitalism. The history of world capitalism. But it just so happens that they, that's that's a rare situation. They own some land under which there was a resource that that ultimately is being produced. Let me ask you a quick question. Looking back at all this, Mm -hmm. when when you look at the wealth of a corporation that's supposedly owned or controlled by somebody, I Mm -hmm. I suspect you and I both know, however, that doesn't mean they actually own all that stuff. They don't own those giant machines. They don't own those employees. They they ultimately have some control over the direction it takes, but it's not quite the same if you happen to be a billionaire owner such as as, uh, the man who created Amazon Right. He doesn't actually own all the things that are Amazon. His wealth, in theory, shows that, but it's not quite the same thing as me owning a house or my car or whatever. And it True. does involve assets that create stupendous employment. But again, that, that, that is, is something that he did create. Keep going. Uh, that is a part. That is a part that I disagree with. That I because I look. You remember? I think you mentioned earlier that Elon Musk is innovative, right? Elon Musk, for those who I'm an engineer, I can tell you categorically, Elon Musk is not innovative. Elon Musk can't write sufficiently a line of code. Elon Musk doesn't sufficiently understand uh, dynamics that what Elon Musk did with a suborbital flight. I found amusing since when I worked for NASA, we went to we put a Skylab. I mean, not a Skylab, a, a, a space station up there. He barely touched space. Let's let's be real. Now that he's sending some trips over to the to the, to the station. Look, none of that was his technology. All of that is our technology. So Elon Musk isn't this innovative guy. This guy had the resources given to him, many by the government and others. The electric cars, he didn't create, right? He, so I mean, No question about that. By the way, his passion is passion, actually, is the space industry. By the way, as a person who I think is reasonably trained in that industry, I disagree with you strongly about the breakthrough thinking that Mm -hmm. went into many of the things that Elon Musk is doing with SpaceX and the other things he's doing. In many cases, it did involve breaking a lot of eggs, and it turned out that breaking those eggs was exactly the way to move forward. And it is... It is is an act of creation that I think you – the fact that he was able to talk industry and government into providing some of the funding uh, greatly understates the degree of innovation – but and my brother, thinking, clear thinking, he put into I just that. want to thank you. I think you greatly underestimated. I, I, I know, I know you said that, but let, let me get. Let, can I, think, I give it? Wait, wait, hold on a second. Because I'm going to finish yeah. this one sentence. You All and right. I disagree in one other thing. You have some sense that there is a historic force that creates these things, and it would have happened again anyway, one way or another. Somebody yeah. would have done what he did had he not done it. You and I disagree strongly on that. I believe in the in the impact of individuals far I, are, I, is far greater than you believe it is, but. Go ahead, my friend. It's fair okay, let, let's give an example. I, I am yet to know what he's innovated. In other words, he's doing what he did with us by landing a craft on the ground that we used to land in the ocean is something that Russia has been doing for decades. Um, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's nothing that Elon Musk has put together that other countries and other people hasn't. It's just come to America. And we're too often when we see something come to America, we or rather it's done in America, we because of our not knowing what is happening elsewhere, we think, oh, my God, look how great it is. Russia has been landing spaceships at locations physically for a long time. 
electric cars with with the type of now, battery we, system. Explain that for a second, because I think we're getting off on a, a little bit yeah. of, a, of, of, a, of a yeah, you're right. Yeah. Here. But for a second, yeah. I, want you, I want you to stop for a second. Explain yeah. to me what Russia, because I'm very familiar with what Russia did. I want to ask you what you think Russia did that equates to what Elon Musk is doing with SpaceX today. What did they, what, tell me, tell me how they returned boosters and they returned other hardware and thereby made the whole system enormously more efficient. Tell me how Russia was doing that because they didn't. Well, they Russia was landing its That's capsules. A very different thing, buddy. Right, right. Russia was landing its capsules on land from, from the time we were landing capsules in the ocean. Right. But, so, but you know, uh, we had, that, yes, but that's that's yeah, that's but, not the same thing. Bringing back move, a small capsule and everything uh, else is thrown away is a big difference. Go ahead. Buddy. The boost, the booster, uh, getting creating the technology to land the booster uh, on, on ground is nothing that Boeing hasn't done in the automation of a plane. I guess what I'm saying is uh, these technologies <laughs> are not innovative. They are, they are something that's been done, and he's a great aggregator. And this is, look, I have nothing to lose for not liking Elon Musk. What I'm saying is I wish that the reporting on Elon Musk made, it, made more sense in that it gave people, not make people believe he was some sort of a god, but that he's just another good capitalist who knows how to aggregate stuff. But the things that he's done, there's absolutely nothing innovative he has done. He's using all of our technologies we've developed and been using at NASA for some time. Now we're almost at the end of the show. Egberto, it's not fair, but I'm going to have to throw it to you for one minute, my friend, and we'll continue this conversation. Oh, that's this all is, I this need. This is an interesting morning. I've been yeah. with the listeners this morning. We Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, go. Yeah, Lane, Lane was actually uh, and nailed it. Uh, capitalism to concentrate the wealth and get certain things done foc- in a focused manner. But I think but what, what I say is that when you have that control of capitalism, it is no longer capitalism. It is something else. So, I mean, my, my problem is that in pure capitalism, that what occurs, it has no soul. But what Lane spoke about, uh, this piece of capitalism, this piece of socialism is a different model altogether. And I think that's what we need to work towards. Anyhow, that was a, a great conversation I had with uh, uh, Steve Hunter. Love the guy. Uh, you know, he, he really likes to push buttons, etc. So, yeah, I think it's important, uh, 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 given that we sort of ended on Elon Musk, I think it's important for us to understand. When I, when I say Elon Musk did nothing innovative, I wasn't trying to minimize anything. He really didn't do anything innovative. Every single thing. That they give credit to Elon Musk for, oh, so great innovation, etc. Others have done it. And not only that, it wasn't his intrinsic knowledge and technology that did it. He, again, like I mentioned about most capitalists, they are mostly parasites. They are, I mean, they're the ones with capital and they can do things. This is not green. This is not envy. This is none of that sort of thing. It's just a matter of our of us being so lazy. I'm talking about a reporting class being so lazy and easily malinformed as far as what he does. Let's take a look at the when space they sent up a human being in space. They touched the borders of space and did something less than an orbital flight, and that was whoa! How great! Mercury did that. Or is it Mercury or, or the one that came after Mercury? They did suborbital flights with technology but more powerful than my telephone, less powerful than my telephone. He has done absolutely nothing innovative. 
nothing. There's there are articles that one can read, and there, I, I wanted to give Steve an article. Like I have to remember to look it up. Uh, there there are there are articles that we can point out that talks about all that stuff that the media believes uh, uh, Elon Musk is innovative about. That is just he's a hell of an aggregator. That's it. Nothing else. And and then being able to push, make it seem as if he's doing these great things. Again, that's what we are great at as a country. Smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. It is important for us to understand that there's nothing innovative. Uh, 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 Bruce wants me to see that he has uh, 23 patents. None of them. I'm looking at the patents right now. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Because it seems like a lot of people sort of take offense when one talks about the, in, the, 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 the thing that makes Elon Musk seem like he's more than he really is. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go to our second story, which is uh, I love, I love uh, Sarah Nelson, who is the leader of the, uh, como se llama? Uh, the union, the, uh, the workers, the flyer union. Anyway, check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. Well, let me get it started correctly and then we'll take it on the other side. Ali Belchi interviewed Sarah Nelson, the Association of Flight Attendants. It's a union for flight attendants. And I tell you, there are a lot of union people that are speaking out now. The unions are on the rise again. Most Americans are supporting the unions again after there has been a concerted effort by right wing organizations, by plutocrats, by think tanks uh, uh, put out like the Heritage Foundation and Cade Institute, etc. Finally. Americans are starting to wake up. And what does that mean? It actually means that they realize the reason for unions. They're starting not to believe the crap that comes out of the executives uh, in, in these corporations who always get these big time uh, raises. Whether the company is doing good or the company is doing badly, they get raises. When they are fired, they get golden parachutes with millions of dollars to leave. When the employee is poor, they just throw them to the to the curb. When the company is not making as much as it should, they throw them to the curb. When the company is failing because of the executives, they throw them to the curb. When the companies are doing very well because of the efficiencies, all the monies from the efficiencies go to having workers work harder. As the executives take the profits from their efficiency, people are starting to wake up. And, you know, one of the things that one has to be able to do is articulate in a manner that 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 bread and butter person, that person that is not necessarily a scholar or whatever, understands exactly what's going on. That is the reason I really like to hear Ali Velshi talks about the union subject as well as the Association of Flight Attendants President Sarah Nelson. She is very, very good at tying the knots together and putting it all in one piece. Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. Joining us now is the union leader, Sarah Nelson. She's the president of the Association of Flight Attendants. Uh, Sarah, you and I were just talking about this the other day, whether the White House is prepared to uh, put a thumb on the scale on this one and how involved they'll get. Uh, there was talk that the, the, the Labor Secretary and uh, Gene Sperling were going to go to the negotiations this week. That didn't happen. And then this. Am I making a big thing out of this or is this a very big deal that the president is going to join the striking workers? Well, this shouldn't be a big deal, but it is a big deal um, because this is unprecedented. And it is happening because this president at his core uh, is a labor guy. 
He believes in labor. He believes in labor rights. But it's also really happening. The real reason this is happening is because of the workers who are taking a stand all across the country. And this strike is historic with UAW taking on the big three automakers all at once. Never happened in history either. We're talking about a lot of firsts in history. But I've said for a long time, start in the workplace and the politics will follow. And that's what we're seeing here. Something has happened. There's a change in tone with a lot of these labor leaders where they're coming in and saying, these are the requests we have. You might think they're outsized because they're 10 times what you ever offer us, but they're not as much as what you bosses are making. They're not as much as what the shareholders are making. And by the way, this is the moment to strike. So don't tell me to live to fight another day. This is actually when we're striking. I want to be really clear that it's the companies that are choosing the strikes, not the other way around. And you'd see that very clearly that workers are making their demands up front. We're very clear about what our demands are. It has gone in the wrong direction for too long, essentially since Ronald Reagan fired the air traffic controllers in 1981. And it was open season on unions um, and, and a destruction of the strike. The strike is about coming to a deal. It is not about the strike. No worker wants to go on strike. Um, but we want to go on strike when the company is not being fair when they are not negotiating with us fairly. And that has been going on for too long. And so what we've said right up front with our demands is what we're willing to do. That's why UPS settled. It was a credible strike threat. It was serious from the Teamsters. That's what we're going to continue to see. And the big three apparently didn't get the message. Tim Scott, who's running for president, uh, senator from South Carolina, because just mentioned Ronald Reagan and the air traffic controller strike. This is what he said at campaign stop in Iowa. Ronald Reagan gave us a great example when federal employees decided they were going to strike. He said, you strike, you're fired. Simple concept to me. To the extent that we can use that once again, absolutely. You don't actually have to be a labor leader to understand the basic law in this country. You can't actually do what Tim Scott just said. You can't tell people if you strike, you're fired. He's interfering with workers' rights here, and that's why the UAW filed a ULP, an unfair labor practice against him. He doesn't have the right to do that. And he's also confusing the fact that Ronald Reagan fired the federal workers, which conceivably he was their boss. Um, the uh, president and the government is not the boss of the UAW workers. He's got the whole thing confused here. And especially he's completely out of touch with the country. He is completely out of touch with where we are right now, where workers are saying we have had enough. We're going to come together no matter what, take our fair share, because this economy, as Sean Fain has been saying, has been working for the billionaires. It hasn't been working for the working class. We're going to wreck their economy and we're going to build up our own. After the air traffic controller strike, it was open season on unions. But take a look at some recent polling from Reuters and Ipsos uh, for the support for the strikers amongst all Americans. For the auto workers, 58 uh, percent support, 32 percent uh, oppose. For the Hollywood strike, 60 percent support, 27 percent oppose. Now, that's all Americans. Let's look at this even amongst Republicans. For the auto workers, more support than oppose, 48 percent support, 47 percent oppose. And for the holiday Hollywood strikes, it's a it's a dead heat. So the bottom line is public support is on the side of the unions, even in matters where it will affect the public, whether it's the TV you watch or the parcels you don't get delivered or the cars you're not going to buy or that are going to cost you more. Or in the case of uh, flight attendants who strike the, the flights you won't fly on. But what's happened? Why is the public? Why has public sentiment changed so far in favor of workers? Because the public understands that going along with the rule book that has been in place for the last 40, 50 years doesn't work. The idea that the corporate elite has said to us, you should feel lucky to have a job. The, the entire country is saying, no, you should feel lucky to have our work. We don't live to go to work. We go to work to live. 
And so um, this is what we're doing. We're taking a stand across the country and people are identifying with what the auto workers are doing, with what the writers and the actors are doing, with what grocery workers did before them, teachers. This has been across every single industry because it has been about taking all of the productivity of our work, making us work harder for less. And everyone understands that. So the demands are the same. These tier demands to get rid of the tiers at the auto workers, you can see that in every single industry where a certain set of workers are treated different than, differently than others. We, the jig is up. Like we know, we know the playbook now and the playbook of us sitting back and saying that we can only think about ourselves and stay in within our own cocoon and we're going to be okay. And we can pick up ourselves up by our bootstraps and do better. That, that, that ship has sailed. Okay, that narrative is gone. That is destroyed in America. And America understands that the people who are standing up for the regular Main Street person in America is the unions. When we were strong and there was shared prosperity in this country, unions were strong. And as unions have been on decline, so has the standard of living for the average American. It's time to fight back. And that's why you see the support of the strikers, because they understand this strike is about all of us. I tell you what, I so love this woman just like I so love Yvette Avery Herod, our own uh, activists here for strikers, for unions, etc. Because these are women now that are going out there and fighting the system and making the system what it needs to be. I just simply love it. Now, let me start addressing a few things. First, I want to address my brother, Bruce Pollard, as far as the patents that he stated uh, came from Elon Musk. I want to talk to folks about that because I wrote about the patent system in my book as I see it. Class warfare is the only resort to right-wing doom. Why did I write about the patents in a book that talks about class warfare? Because one of the, the patent system is one of the great uh, the great uh, stealers of ideas. Uh, I want you to take a look at uh, th this is what Bruce sent as far as all the um, patents that, that Elon Musk has. By the way, what's common here is it's Elon Musk and a whole lot of other people. Elon Musk is just a name, right? The real inventors are generally all these other people. He's just a name who doesn't know anything about all this stuff here, but he owns a patent because he had the capital. I explained about this in, as I see it, class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom. What a lot of capitalists have a tendency of doing is they grab onto patents that prevents anybody else from doing something that is common knowledge. When I just started to become, come into the software business, my first a product after my checkbook program, the first commercial product that I was building after my checkbook program was going to be a what again? It was going to be a a, a cart, a cart to really sell products and all that sort of stuff. And when doing a patent search, found out that Bezos, Amazon's Bezos, Jeff Bezos patented one click. What that means is something that is a simple as buying stuff with a shopping cart was now owned by Jeff Bezos and anybody who wanted to develop something had to get some sort of a license from Bezos to do a one-click type shopping cart. Something that is obvious. The same, read what these, the highlights of all these patents. Sound like pretty similar patents and things that a lot of other people would do, but don't necessarily want to spend the kind of money to create patents with orbital uh, radius and on, on items. So what I'm saying, don't let somebody say, well, I have this amount of patents. 
get to you. Anybody can get patents if you're willing to spend and buy for the patent. All right, you can do that. And then you can stop other people from developing stuff uh, so that you are the sole owner of this stuff for 17 years. Uh, The patent system is one of the other forms of capitalism holding back others. It's not free enterprise at all. It's not free enterprise. It allows the wealthy to grab onto technology that they don't necessarily invent. And that's what guys like Elon must do. And that's the animosity I have towards the people like this. Look at the patents. Look at it that it's not just Elon Musk, but it's always somebody else. But he's the master. He's the one with the money. He is the one with the cash. Going a little bit further, my brother here, Mike Cisak, said, well, like, Bertie, you're talking about innovative and this guy hasn't done anything innovative. I would almost wager that the, that my, the, the major product I have to fame was to make an 8250 UART do something that Intel didn't design it to do. And I used, the, I, I used software in uh, the Windows NT then operating system, the MS-DOS then operating system, the Windows 3.1 then operating system to do something magical with the interrupt so that it could run in the background that even Bowen spent, a, you know, gave me quite a bit to do it. Innovative? Yes. Build on other people's innovations as well? Yes. Did I, do I make sure to admit that in as much as I innovated this particular thing, it's really built on the work of many others? Yes. But guys like Elon Musk and these other guys make believe like they are the, the ultimate inventors of things. I love the shared collective way that things really occur. The shared collective way. We know none of us exist in a vacuum. None of us are insular. None of us are singular. We together can do things. When you talk about all these guys, the, the capitalists, they create something or they, 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 they create or they buy the creation of something and then they hold on to it and all of us then pay them. It goes with the drug companies and what they do. The drug companies, they go buy the patent from the universities and then they make a killing off of something we all together, the collective created. That is what I'm fighting, folks. I am not fighting against the, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is not about envy or anything like this. This is all about equity. This is all about collectivism. This is all about us doing things together. And that is what, that is what uh, the patent system fails to allow. That is what capitalism is a failure at, because what it does is, and, and you know, we have the proof to it now. What we have, the, the income and wealth inequality that we have right now is a direct result of a of an economic system that favors capital. No more, no less. And until we can actually stop being indoctrinated and understand it, understand the evil within it, understand that it's nothing more than a Paris allowing a, a particular sect in our society to be legal parasites. Until we get it, nothing will change. We'll fight each other on, on crazy reasons. But again, we will fight each other for this system. If you want free enterprise, that is what ultimately works. Free enterprise. Freeze enterprise. And that is something that we don't have. That is something we don't have. 
All right, Bruce says shared collective the way it should be. Capitalized is part of it, uh, but equality is good. When uh, what alternative would you suggest uh, to know what my my friend says? The alternative to capitalism is the alternative to capitalism has not yet been tried. The alternative to capitalism has not yet been tried because capitalism makes it a duality. You're either a communist or a capitalist. My answer is free enterprise. That uh, Free enterprise. Because remember, the capitalist does not invent or create anything in, in, in general. The capitalist doesn't create anything. So get rid of the capitalist and you still get invention and creation. What we have to do is mechanisms that have, uh, have the capital flow to that which to those who actually create something. Right now, the capitalists take. You go ahead and, and, and consider those who create. How do we achieve free enterprise? We achieve free enterprise by allowing the... Let's give a good example. Medicare for all. In other words, if everybody had the ability to get healthcare away, good healthcare away from an employer provided by the state, okay, provided by the state, that takes away the burden of having to sell your soul for health care, all right? Child care. If we had a good child care system, in other words, if we can build good social services, then people are free to innovate and we would get laissez-faire economic growth. But why don't we get it now? Because the corporations have a stranglehold on us. That is the answer, Brother Bruce, the stranglehold that they have. Um, we have to get out of the indoctrinative state that we've been taught all our lives. Oh, somehow these guys create innovation. They don't. They don't. If they created innovation and they were and it was good for society, we would never have gotten here with the climate issue. We would never have gotten here with all the pollution that we have from corporations who just look for the bottom line. The, the efficient allocation of resources right now, they you know, it's funny. They, they, they save money by polluting, right? They save money by polluting, or I should say they make more money by polluting. Then they charge us again and make more money by cleaning up that which they polluted. It's simply amazing. It is completely and simply amazing. Anyway, folks, I had one more video, but it's six minutes long, so... We only have about five minutes left of the program, so I don't have the specific uh, time to go ahead and do that right now. But it's it, it will be in the blog for the show that you guys can go ahead and watch, you know. Anyway, let's see if I missed anything here. Uh, did I miss anything? Did I miss anything? Alberto, this is how communities help each other. Nothing wrong to help. Bought and delivered 12 baits of hay from a farmer who rescues horses from the slaughterhouse. Two loads in the pouring rain. For the kids, for our oh, let's see that. Uh, look at that. Uh, let let's go ahead and put that onto the screen. I love you. Always have something uh, something nice like this to show us, Bridge MCP. Here we go. Uh, let me re repeat. Let me read that again. It says, "Egberto, this is how communities help each other. Nothing wrong to help." bought and delivered 12 bales of hay from a farmer who rescues horses from the slaughterhouse, two loads in the pouring rain, LOL, for the kids, for our trick or treat free giveaways and movies. That's what I'm talking about, Bridge. That's my girl. 
That's what I'm talking about. You know, that is what we're talking about. Um, let's see. Eric Hayes says free enterprise is not here due to all the government policies and regulations. No, free enterprise is pretty much uh, not here because of the corporate state. There's a very, very big difference. Like I said, stop and start thinking outside of the box. Start thinking outside of the box. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bruce says, or the airplane. The airplane was created by a whole lot of uh, a lot of technology, not just the Wright brothers that that um, that gets credit for all the technology to get the first thing to fly. But again, uh, we give kudos to the Wright brothers because again they got it off. But think about this: if all the different technologies that were that when patents weren't. Uh, 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 if they had to go ahead and take a, a look at a patent search and all of that in the old days, you think that would happen? Nah, I doubt it. Hey, Robert Davenport is in the house. How you doing, Robert Davenport? And as so is Daniel Ledeau. The diesel engine saved humanity from the horrors of steam engine and spurred a revolution in trade and travel. Good. I love that. I And not only do I love that, I agree with that. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, para ver, para ver, para ver. Before I leave today, I want to see a uh, 24-minute podcast. Are we headed towards mass violence? I sure hope not. I am not a violent person. I hope we're not, my dear friend. Uh, para ver que más tenemos aquí. Uh, oh, you gave me. Let's see what else we got here. All right. It looks like uh, we are about done. So let me go ahead and ask everybody that has the wherewithal to please support the program. How can you support the program? You can support the program by, first of all, going to politicsdoneright.com slash support, politicsdoneright.com slash support. I'm looking for the, the link right now. Uh, please, uh, anything that you can support with, remember, it's, 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 it's what we are going to do to get the truth out. Again, you don't have to agree with everything that I say at all, right? You don't have to agree with it. That's what this is all about. That's what this forum is all about, to give everybody the opportunity to say, now I have my own opinions and you do yours as well. Now, I like to be back. Hey, Bridge MCP, thank you so kindly for the super chat. Support us. We need it. Yes, we do. Thank you, my dear sister, Bridge MCP, for your support. Always, you always support this program. Politicsandright.com slash support is a, a give you all the different forms in which you can support our program. But I have another request, and that is I would love as many of you to please, please, please become a, a, a what I call a supporting member of our newsletter. Our newsletter, you can read our newsletter for free. But for those of you who uh, become paid members, and that's just a coffee a month or less than a coffee a month. For those of you who become a, a paid supporter of our newsletter, all my books, the five books, I have, I have two of them uploaded already. All five will be uploaded to, uh, to Substack for you to read. All the subscribers can read our, our book online or, and you can, and you know, the nice thing about Substack is they have an application now that you can read your stuff on the phone, just like you do right now on the computer or elsewhere. So again, uh, please consider uh, going to politicsunright.com slash newsletter to support, uh, to go ahead and get uh, a, a version, to go ahead and be a paid member of our newsletter. You will really, really help us get the job done. It's a lot of work, but you know what? This is our mission. Our mission is to tell the truth. 
Our mission is to inform. Our mission is to, to cut away of so much of the misinformation that we've had. So much of the misinformation that we've had. And, you know, we're living that right now. And, you know, there are many in the mainstream media that it's not that they wouldn't want to tell you that. Is that they cannot tell you that. If you take a look at their advertisers, you'll understand why. Anyway, folks, I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Unright. I thank you so kindly for your ears. I thank you so kindly for your eyes. Please do remember to support us at politicsunright.com slash newsletter. Politicsunright.com slash newsletter. Sign up for it today. Get a paid version today. It's a coffee a month for Politics Done Right. It's worth it. My name, thank you, uh, Norman. I like the word, stay woke. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where... Uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.